May God's words be spoken. May God's words be heard. Amen. Amen. Well, we are now in the second week of Lent. And as the Lent madness smackdowns have progressed, my bracket predictions are starting to look very sketchy. Harriet Monsell lost this past week to Johann Sebastian Bach. Now, as much as Harriet is the foundress of the monastic order that includes our own community of St. John Baptist, where I am an associate, and is a powerful witness of Christ in the world, I suppose I should have seen that one coming. Lent madness is fun. But knowing more about the lives of the saints is something that can help us along the way. Since returning from the monastery retreat at the Abbey of Gethsemane I took in early February, and for some time prior to going, I found myself drawn more deeply into the lives of the saints of the church. Now, of course, clergy, we're required to study them in seminary and to pray the daily office, which will have a focus on their life within it when a saint has a, when a day has a saint assigned. But lately I'm finding that the lives of people from Thomas Aquinas to Dorothy Day, Teresa of Avila to Bakita, and the martyrs from Uganda to El Salvador are providing guidance and a place of prayerful turning when discerning God at work in my own life. Each of the saints are different from one another. They're examples of a wide variety of how one responds to the call of Christ. But in each, there is a trust in God that is unmistakable. And that's what we're hearing in the Genesis narrative of Abram and Sarai, later Abraham and Sarah. God tells Abram to leave his homeland and family and head to an unknown place. But why? Why would God ask that of Abram, or anyone for that matter? Well, God explains it, telling Abram, so that you will be a blessing. Setting the blessing aside question for a moment, why does God ask Abram to leave the familiar to venture out into the unknown? I mean, you know, can he be a blessing right there? You know, in the ordination process, seminarians are asked to leave their home parish as they continue along their discernment as postulants and candidates in the ordination process. And we will soon welcome a postulant here, Jackie McLean, who is on the discernment journey of one who feels called to the diaconate, the order of deacons, a full and equal order in the church, even if it's not always seen that way by some. She'll be leaving her home parish, and we will certainly be blessed by her presence with us as she serves here. We do this in the church so that those in process can serve in a place where that has no prior framing of who they are and what they can or should do. They're given a blank slate to better discern, and those with whom they serve have no box into which they have already, consciously or not, placed that person. Perhaps that's why God did this with Abram. It's also true that while there is a destination of a promised land and the descendants in this Genesis story, it's really the journey itself that is the largest part of God's calling for Abram and for us. But all the 
this call talk, you know, can sometimes have us thinking it's as obvious as getting a text or something, and that we just willingly jump up and say, sure, put me in, coach. While God could communicate in whatever way God chooses, text or otherwise, the response is more likely to be more based on the long history of God and humanity to go something like this. God sends a text. Hey, want to be a blessing? You text back. Sounds cool. What'd you have in mind? God replies, TPTB, which is, of course, moi, needs you to drop everything and go where I tell you. Okay? Um, you mean like right now? I kind of had plans. God, SMH. Now, for some of our saints, the call of God was actually very clear. At least at first. And they did indeed accept it immediately. Mother Teresa heard the voice of Jesus. This is after, by the way, she's already had a call to monastic life. She heard the voice of Jesus lamenting the neglected poor while traveling on a train. And she began her call within a call to create a new order of monastics that would serve the poorest of the poor. And then, of course, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who got a visit from Gabriel that always reminds me of that opening scene in, in Dogma, you know, the movie. Have you all seen that? If you haven't seen it, it's really awesome. Warning, there's a lot of F-bombing in it, but it's really great. Anyway, where Alan Rickman, of Snape fame, you know, anyway, Alan Rickman appears as a seraphim, as a pillar of fire in the bedroom of the character Bethany. Now, I, I got, you got to imagine that that's a bit frightening, right? This, to have this messenger of God show up when you're just a young teen, as Mary was, which is what virgin actually meant, just that she was young. And as I heard another priest once add, I wonder how many other girls turned Gabriel down before Mary had the courage to say yes. Of course, Abram didn't get a fiery messenger. He got it right from the source. And by the source, I mean the one with the capital S, mind you. Hard to miss that, I would think. And for others, call is a lot more subtle, like signs on the road that guide you. Or like the wind Jesus talks about in his back and forth with Nicodemus. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it goes or where it, com where it comes from or where it goes. We can get that imagery, right? Watch a tree on a windy day. We don't, we don't see the wind, but we hear it. We feel it on our cheeks and see the leaves and the branches move. Call is like that for many, really most. You see a, a, a sign of some kind or several that seem to float by you and you begin to, to piece a direction for your steps, even if you're not really sure why you feel drawn toward whatever or wherever you end up heading. Now, to be clear, call is not about wearing a collar. You can be, feel called to be a parent or maybe to go to a particular place at a particular time and you end up meeting your future wife or husband. Or perhaps you, you have a sense of what to do next in your work or personal life, a career move, a, a, a new hobby, a returning to something that drew you when you were younger, and yes, even a pastoral call 
to ordained or monastic life. But all this still leaves us with a lot of questions. What does it mean to follow a call? Or for that matter, what does it mean to be a blessing? This is where our patriarchs and matriarchs of scripture, where the saints that have gone before us, can really help a great deal. Because we can often think that all those folks, they, they just had their act together all of the time. Why, they just heard their call from God, and off they went right to it, no doubts, no wayward detours, no refusals to even bother with this call at all. But the fullness of the Abram story is that even with this incredible call of God, direct from God, he wavered in certainty about it. So much so that he tried to pass his wife off as his sister, not just once, mind you, to save his own hide. I mean, how exactly does that show trust that God will provide descendants through her? But wait, there's more. Again, instead of trusting in the promise, he got a slave, Hagar, to be his concubine so that he could ensure that those many descendants would actually happen. And if that were not bad enough, as it, as it was, he, he turned Hagar and her son out of the family camp towards a sure death. Nice, right? Spoiler alert, God saves her and she gets her own divine promise. But this is our patriarch, Abraham. Abram trusted God, but he doubted a lot too. And you know what? The same is true for the rest of the patriarchs, matriarchs, apostles, and saints through the centuries. As I've said at many times, faith without doubt isn't faith at all, it's certainty. For some, these moments where we are unsure of God's presence in our lives, much less that we are truly following God's call for us, can feel like what St. John of the Cross described as a dark night of the soul. It was something Mother Teresa knew well. For she endured this spiritual dryness in which she could not feel the presence of God for most of her life after those initial revelations of her call within a call to serve the poorest of God's children. Yet only upon her death was anyone aware of it. Quote, in my soul, I feel just that terrible pain of loss, of, of God not wanting me, of God not being God, of God not really existing. Unquote. Mother Teresa wrote that in one of her letters discovered after she died. The thing about this dark night period into which so many of us fall is that for people of faith, there's always something else there with us. While faith always has doubt in its shadow, the reverse is also true. In those periods of spiritual dryness, when we are unable to sense God's presence, we have the power of hope to see us through, a trust that is enduring. And that's what we're hearing in the psalm we heard today. You know, Psalm 121 is often read at the bedside of the sick, at a funeral, or at other times of distress in our lives. Heck, it's even in the movie The Sound of Music, as they start to, I think, the Mother Superior is sending them to go across the Swiss Alps to escape Nazi Germany, which, by the way, is not how the real Von Trapps ever escaped. They just got on a train, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, I digress. 
Certainly at the, those moments of distress, we know that even while we place our trust in God, even knowing that God watches over us, doesn't mean we will not endure suffering, suffering, spiritual or otherwise. We look then to God as the psalmist to the hills and ask, where will our help come? Where will our help come? And so our lives as people of faith, of one with a call, is not about the absolute or the easy. It is about trust. Trust that God does indeed watch over us. Trust that help will come by the way of the one who created all things. Trust that even when we are in that dark night of the soul, the dawn will come. And for those who follow Jesus, we know this to be integral to our faith. This hope amidst despair and life in the shadow of death. For even while we stand at the foot of the cross, the empty tomb awaits. Even while we celebrate the resurrection, the shadow of the cross is ever-present. Even knowing that we are still left with this question about the story of Abraham, what is this blessing business? What is that about? What does it mean to be a blessing? The thing is, God was sending him on this journey for the sake of all those they would impact, which in their case was, well, for the whole world. Abram couldn't yet see it, but his story, his call, became part of a march, much, much larger story of God's ongoing relationship with all of humanity through the ages. What about us? The same is true. The same is true for us. Think of it this way. We know that when we're living a life that's authentic, where we're passionate about what we're doing, where we have a sense of purpose, what our faith would call, name a call, then even in the midst of the difficult days of our lives, there is something palatable about us, something others sense deep within us. And whether we are intentional about it or not, it is a blessing of sorts to others as much as to ourselves. By our very lives, we make an impact. Because blessing is about more than stuff, more than financial or power gains. It's about being the person fully alive that God created us to be and sharing that with the world. Yet for followers of Jesus, this goes much further. We not only have a call of our individual lives baptized into him to live as he commanded us, we are also a community of disciples. So this parish has a call too. One that others started when they founded and built this church in which we sit. And we now carry it forward. It was, and still is, a call to be a blessing a place of spiritual nourishment in Christ for those who walk through our doors and a blessing to the community in which we serve. Now notice that nowhere in that call does it say we'll always have large endowments, filled pews, perfect music. Oh, I think these folks come pretty darn close. Fabulous preaching. No comment there. And more volunteers than we could possibly imagine. Nope. None of that is in the call story of this or any other parish, for that matter. Our call is simple in what is asked, but not always in how to live it. 
called to love one another as Jesus loved us and to share that transformational experience of unconditional love and grace far and wide. For the parish, it means we need to, to have to know, we have to come to know the community in which we live. Because to truly love someone, we need to see them, to go to them, to know them. It's a call to go out from these doors and be the people God calls us to be every single day. And that is not an easy thing to do. It wasn't for Abram, and it hasn't, wasn't for the saints either. But thankfully, like Abram, we don't journey alone. He had Sarai and Lot. We have the people and clergy of the Diocese of Newark. Well, for that matter, the entire Episcopal Church who walk alongside us. And then, while that's absolutely freakingly awesome, we have more than that, too. For in this combined community of Bloomfield and Glenridge, we have walking with us followers of Jesus and other denominations. And with our Jewish and Muslim sisters and brothers who share this story of Abram with us, we can speak in a united voice to the working of God and all of creation throughout history, to God's all-inclusive and unconditional love and grace. And as we journey together, they will be a blessing to us. As I pray, we will all be to them. So let us be the people of God, the people that God created us to be, that we might be blessed and be a blessing. For we are called to go where God sends us, just like Abram. We're called to trust, like the psalmist, that our help will come from God, the maker of heaven and earth. We are called to weather dark nights of the saints, knowing that hope abides in the faithful and the light will overcome. We are called to be a blessing in a world in which so many are just looking for someone to love them unconditionally. Looking without really knowing it, for God. Amen.